Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the basement. It's January, and I'm wearing shorts because I'm at home. This is my real basement, and I'm here to talk about the real topics, the real hard-hitting ones. We're right in the eye of the storm right now, aren't we? NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about the quarterback in the NFL who's still alive, who made me look bad and like I have a really terrible take on things. I'm going to own them. I'm actually going to actually go back and play my terrible quarterback take from yesteryear. We have an unbelievable takes on takes. Speaking of takes, first take, 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 is in uh, Tampa today. And we're going to have a Michael Irvin versus Stephen A. Smith throwdown. This is sort of the undercard for tomorrow's take-pocalypse following the Buccaneers versus Cowboys game tonight. Um, all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about, have you seen the Brendan Fraser thing? I bet if you like this show, you, Brendan Fraser's hit your radar a few times, his projects. He's back. He's huge. He's winning awards. What actor that maybe was just killing it in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and has gone into a different phase of their career? Who would you love to see just blow up again and be everywhere? I have my thoughts. You have yours. We have your tweets. But let's talk about the, uh, the tackle football and what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Nailed it! Let's go! I love how good Daniel Jones looked yesterday against the Vikings. I looked how tough he looked. I love how... how how cool he was. Daniel Jones, the dookie blow-dried side part with the Jansport backpack and the 10-speed, was a total badass yesterday. Just awesome, awesome performance. Dare I say, I think he had a perfect game. Now, there were some incompletions, and there were some things that went awry, but it's difficult to play a playoff game better than that. I have the facts in fact. Um, he joined Lamar Jackson who doesn't play playoff games anymore, I guess. And Steve Young is the only players to have 300 yards passing and 70 rush yards in a single playoff game ever. And ever. No one's ever else has ever done it. Young, Jackson, and Daniel Jones. What? Danny Dimes was so good. Just so good. And I just never thought we'd be having this conversation. You and I, uh, the fateful um, viewer, we've had this conversation all year. I don't think they should keep him. I don't think they should pay him. He's just fine. He's not that great. He's a hard worker. He's a good teammate, but that's his best asset. What happened to him? <laughs> he was so good. He, it's not just that his stats were good. His body language was good. His, uh, just his look on the field. I feel like he gained three inches and 30 pounds between the flight from New York to Minnesota. He looked like Josh Allen. He really did. And we talked about this last night. The joke, and everyone was the mocking point, was that once Brian Dayball left the Buffalo offensive coordinator position and went to become the Giants head coach, there was this flimsy little take about, well, he's going to try to make Daniel Jones his Josh Allen. If he can do with Daniel Jones, what he do for Josh Allen? It was stupid because Josh Allen's a prolific talent and we didn't think Daniel Jones was. Josh, Josh Allen yesterday got the win against Miami, but Daniel Jones looked like Josh Allen. He did. The way he ran, the way he threw, the way he just had this poker face that did not waver. It was awesome. And here's the thing. I, I've already danced around this. I was not a believer long term. I wasn't. In fact, I'm going to do what people try to avoid in this industry. You want to disavow bad takes. You want to disavow if you believed in someone and they turned out to be crap, never talk about it, let alone show the video. If you didn't believe in someone and they turned out to win playoff games, 
never show the video or do. I went back and found it. This is from Good Morning Football the day after the 2020 draft, 2019 draft. This was the, the Kyler Murray draft, okay? Kyler Murray, number one overall. It was in Nashville. We did the Good Morning Football show from an actual honky-tonk, Tootsies, in downtown Nashville. The morning after the draft, in which Giants and Dave Gettleman take Daniel Jones from Duke to be their next quarterback, the heir apparent to Eli Manning, this is what I came out on national TV and said about that draft pick. Go ahead. Joe Namath, um, Patrick Ewing, Derek Jeter, Dan Jones. This is the savior of New York City. You know the New York Post headline this morning about Big Blue? Blues clueless. And I'm picturing them in that dumb green shirt that Steve wears and Jim Harbaugh's pants. And you know they're saying, we just got a letter. I'll give you three letters. W-T-F. Why? <laughs> now why did you, because he's Eli Manning's stunt double? Did you draft Daniel Jones because Peyton Manning told you to? Peyton Manning tells us to do a lot of things. Peyton Manning's been telling me to get DirecTV for 10 years. I still don't have it. All right? Now, I guess you could go for this. Well, he was the Senior Bowl MVP. Yeah. Do you know the last two Senior Bowl MVPs before Daniel Jones? Kyle Lawletta, a current Giants quarterback, and Davis Webb, a former Giants quarterback. Wow. It's like they're going to the Cliffs Notes to do this thing, and maybe you might think out of the dressing room. Here comes Duke football fans. We watch this guy. We know this guy. No, the last time they saw Daniel Jones, he was losing at home by 52 points yeah. to Wake Forest. Wake up! That's pretty good. <laughs> Not bad at the time. Blues Clues, lost by 52 to Wake Forest. There was a reference to Jim Harbaugh's pants that I wedged in there. A WTF. Um, they always draft the Senior Bowl MVP. That was working on that day. The crowd loved it. There was even a live band in there that gave me a... Um, last time we saw him, he was losing to Wake Forest by 52 points. Well, last time we saw him as of today, he was going on the road and beating the Vikings a 13-win team, and making no mistakes in an NFL playoff game. That did not age well, as booger-eating idiots on the internet like to tell people when they have any take that wasn't perfect years later. This aged well. It didn't age well. Daniel Jones aged well. The draft pick aged well. The Giants aged well. The Giants are back. They're back. There's a vibe here in New York. That was their first playoff win since Eli won the Super Bowl. It's a long time. And it was because Daniel Jones was the best player in that game on either team, on either side of the ball. He was the guy. And I thought the draft pick was ridiculous I, for all the reasons I listed. In the first few years, it looked ridiculous. The Giants didn't even like that draft pick. There, Otherwise, they would have given him the extension. They would have at least taken his option. Um, but it doesn't matter. You know, there's a thing here that people do, that the, the hot takers, talking heads, provocateurs, the people you either love to hate or hate to love, whatever it is, that they just jump on one thing that's gonna be their thing that they hype, or there's gonna be a jump on another thing, the thing that they just crush. I have things that I hype and that I crush, but you have to change. That's part of being a human being in the media. If the thing that you crush is suddenly great, you don't bend over backwards to find a way that it still sucks. I was on Daniel Jones for a long time. I just, nothing personal, I just didn't think he had it. He looked awesome. He got the Giants to the playoffs and played his role, and then he looked amazing against the Vikings. So. Congratulations, I'm happy for him. Seems like a great guy and a great teammate and a hard worker. This is a weird thing that be, a lot of people that you know 
and that have very expensive homes and make these crazy eight-figure salaries in TV would never do. And I'm not saying I'm God's gift. I'm just saying, let's have a human conversation. I thought Daniel Jones was a terrible draft pick. I have no idea why they drafted him. I've been doubling down, guys. Last year, I mean, I wish I had the clip of me saying the Giants should take Malik Willis in the draft. It's tough. It's tough to figure out who's going to be good. It's tough as an NFL GM. It's even tougher as someone who just talks about football to people. I've got a lot of things right. I got the Daniel Jones thing wrong. And what you might say, well, what if he goes and loses by Philip to Philadelphia by 30 points and he throws three interceptions? I don't know what happens. Philadelphia is good. The teammates in New York like him. The coaches like him. He looks great physically. He seems really strong mentally. He's a hard worker. Sometimes you just say, yeah, they made the right pick. And this was a really great season. And maybe Daniel Jones hasn't had a very good coach for a few years because while they did choose a pretty good guy at quarterback, they had some pretty crappy coaches. So I'm happy for Daniel Jones. Um, it's what I loved. I thought he was the best player in the game. There wasn't a quarterback this weekend, even like the untouchable almighty Brock Purdy, who was not as good as Daniel Jones. Huge test this week. We're going to talk about it all week. He's going to Philadelphia. He's going to face the Eagles. Tough place to play. Thought he was awesome in that game. And I'm, I love that I was wrong about him. If I say somebody's going to be terrible, I hope I'm wrong. I want everyone to be great. Why the hell not? But uh, I have to say, hand up. Daniel Jones looks awesome. Eli was right. Peyton was right. I'm still out on DirecTV. I'm not getting DirecTV, Peyton. I don't even know if you do those anymore. But I used to have DirecTV, and I had that dish on top of my house. Pain in the ass. Didn't like it. Uh, but I was wrong on Daniel Jones, and I hope he goes on and continues to win. Seems like a great dude and a great story, and he is Eli 2.0. Lose Clueless. Kind of a catchy headline. Hasn't aged that great. Let's get on to what I hate. Come on. I hate the way the Vikings season ended. I'm still in that same game, Giants-Vikings. Not that they lost. That's okay. They lost. They lost against a better team. I hate the last play. And I've been sleeping on this since I talked about it on our Sunday night show. And I've actually kind of lost sleep about this. So you saw it. Uh, they had a chance. And they're down seven. And the Cousins and Vikings have the ball. And they're at home. And they have a dome. And they got this great offensive huddle. And they got all these weapons. And they have the offensive player in the year, Jefferson. And they have Cousins, who's playing a great game. And they get into a place where they have fourth and eight. And they throw it and about six inches past the line of scrimmage, Hawkins is tackled and it's over. And I've just said last night, and I'll say again, I, I hate that that's the way that play went. I just hate it for a bunch of reasons. One, the conversation about Cousins will be entirely about that. Kirk Cousins was excellent in that game. He really good, decisive, um, strong throws. Like he just threw some lasers all over the field. It was one of the best games that he's played. He really is. And that's the problem with Kirk is that People are looking for a reason to knock him, and he gave him one. He really did. And I can't be an apologist for Cousins in this situation. That's the biggest play of the season, and you checked it down. Now, what's interesting about it is people are saying, why would you do that? Why would you do that? How do you check it down to Hawkinson at two yards down the field when it's fourth and eight? Well, here's the explanation. You want to hear it? This is Cousins on fourth down throw that ended the game. I'm going to read it verbatim. Yeah. It was just a shell read there. I saw a single high coverage and I tried to work Justin, trying to go to Jefferson. And I didn't feel good about putting it up to Justin. And when I went to progress, I just felt like I was about to get sacked. I felt I had to put the ball in play. I couldn't go down with a sack. 
he continues. So I just kicked it out to TJ and I had thrown short of the sticks on a few occasions in the game and going back a few weeks, I just felt like throwing short of the sticks isn't the end of the world and it was obviously tight coverage, but I felt like I was going to go down and take a sack and put it out. So a couple of things there. He says, look, I, I, tr I looked at Justin, I didn't like what I had there, okay? So he says, look, I've thrown short of the sticks before, you trust your guy, he's a big strong tight end, he breaks the tackle, he gets the first down. And most importantly, he said, I looked at Justin, they're all over him, I can't throw it there, I felt like the sack was coming, I can't end the season on a sack. So instead of a sack, and he was the guy was in his face, Dexter Lawrence was in his face, he just throws it to somebody and gives a, ch a guy a chance to make a play. I understand where he's coming from, and if you're interested in Kurt Warner's perspective, who I think is razor sharp, he did this whole video series about that play alone. You can find it on Kurt Warner's Twitter. If you're a Vikings fan who's looking for answers, or if you're a Giants fan who's just reveling in it, even just a football fan caught up in one of the most, I don't know, strangest moments of the weekend, Kurt has this whole thing, and he says he understands completely where Kirk Cousins is coming from and gets it and breaks down the whole play from a learned perspective. I, I, I can't get away from this, though. It's just... When the Lakers are down two to um, the Spurs or the Heat or the Celtics, I want Kobe shooting. I don't care how many people are guarding him. I don't care how many hands he has in his face. I want Kobe to jack one up from the corner that is a crazy desperation turnaround 30-footer. I want that. I don't want Devin George or even Derek Fisher shooting that shot. I don't. I want... Kobe shooting that shot. So when he says, I didn't feel good what I had in Justin, I understand it and I could never do Kirk Cousins' job, but I've seen this season go all through every week for the Vikings and I've seen what happened before and I've seen when they had a fourth and really long at Buffalo and Kirk said before the play, I'm going to Justin, be ready. And he just chucked one up to Justin Jefferson, who was not open, who was completely covered and it should have been intercepted, but Justin Jefferson is that talented that he made the catch of the year, extended the drive, extended the whole game, and they won. It's, it's, it becomes this debate. Where do you come out on this? Do you say Kirk Cousins just go, just listen, he looked at Jefferson, Jefferson was covered, so you throw it to the open man and hope he makes a play. Or do you throw it to your star no matter what? Easy for me to say, I would throw it to the star. And I would not let it come to that situation. I think whatever that play is on fourth and the season, and a fourth and eight at home, we are getting the ball to Justin Jefferson. We're getting it to him. I don't care. It, even if it was a two-yard pass to Jefferson, like it was to Hawkinson, fine. Get it to that young phenom, 18, and just see if he can make a play. The fact that he didn't touch the ball there, it's back to the basketball comparison as you come out of a timeout and you draw up a play for Kobe, but the inbounder just doesn't get it to him because he's covered, so you throw it to the small forward who bricks some shot and the season is over. If you're going to go down, go down with your best player. It's really frustrating to me. And I think Kirk's explanation is good. Of course, he's a smart guy who's a really professional quarterback, and I thought Kurt Warner's analysis was amazing. But I'm sitting here as Joe Hardhat fan. How do you not throw it to Jefferson? And before that point, even, how is Jefferson so involved so little in the second half? The takeaway from the Vikings season is that Justin Jefferson, we thought at some point, was going to break the Calvin Johnson single season record, that he might get 2,000 yards receiving or 2,100. In the last three games for the Vikings, he had 100 yards combined. Combined. And I think he had, what, 10 100-yard games prior to that? So it's the tricky thing with wide receivers. It's tough. You can lose them. 
You can't lose a guy that good though. There are ways, there are ways to screen, to, to scheme. There are ways to screen as well, to set the ball up, to get it in their hands. And fourth and eight, I, I, from my cold dead hands, are you taking my Justin Jefferson play away from me? I love TJ Hawkinson. He had a really good game. I'm going to Jefferson on fourth and eight. If he's covered, don't care, throw it up. And I can live with that. That they, he went up and I, he tried to high point it and they knocked it out of his hands because there were three guys around him. I bet he would have caught it. And we'll never know. I bet he would have caught it. Capable of things like that. I bet he would have caught it. Cousins is probably kicking himself and Vikings fans are probably screaming. I'm not walking off that field to end the season and go into the offseason unless I know that I tried to get my best player the ball. It's really tricky. It's a really prudent thing that Cousins did, maybe. You know, and he's the number one joke today. Here's Kirk Cousins throwing short of the sticks on fourth down. It's fine. That's what he... That's what you get if you throw. It wasn't a good play. It was the only play he thought he could make. I'm just sitting here. Snap, drop back, 18. I don't care if they have emptied the bench and there's 53 guys covering him, which would be a penalty, I think. I'm throwing it to 18 and let him make a play. I hate the way that season ended. It's not that it ended. The Giants were better than them. The quarterback was better. The running back was better. The defense was a little better. It's fine. The Giants should have won. It's not that they lost. I hate how they lost. Let's get to what's hilarious. That's a tough one. The Cliff Kingsbury story is hilarious. And I feel like I have a personal connection to it. So as you know, Peter Schrager is, is really my, my work brother. Very close with Peter all day, every day for almost seven years. And when you're going through Good Morning Football, I sit at a table with him for 15 hours a week. And you know, he's on his phone like we all are during commercials, but sometimes it's kind of fervently on it. You can kind of tell Peter's chasing something hot. It's like a bloodhound. I also know that among dozens of relationships that he has around the league, I know that he's tight with Cliff Kingsbury. So I should have seen it coming, but I did not know, despite how much I communicate with Peter, that on Sunday he was going to get off, or was it Saturday? I don't remember. It was over the weekend. He was going to get off the NFL news item of the week of the season when he tweets this, Peter Schrager. As I just reported on Fox, multiple teams have contacted Cliff Kingsbury for their vacant offensive coordinator job. He goes on, and here it goes. He bought a one-way ticket to Thailand and has told teams respectfully that he's not interested at the moment. <laughs> so, it's just what, what memes and dreams are made of. This image of Cliff on a plane, probably with a friend, or friends, just saying, I'm out, y'all. See you later. I'm going to Thailand, and I got a one-way ticket. When am I coming back? I don't know. Don't call me about your rinky-dink little coordinator job. I'm on a hammock with a drink and with my friends. And I'll tell you when I'm coming back, and I'll tell you when I'm interested in the job. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, and it's awesome. I brought it up today with Peter on the air, and he's just... He's laughing about it and he's telling about it and he's saying, look, people think, you know, how could you do that? Like you gotta, if you're not, there's this dynamic where if you're not actively looking for new jobs that potentially the Cardinals could come back and try to claim money that they owe him and take back the money and, you know, that's not happening. That's not, the Cardinals are not going after Eclipse money. 
but it is pretty cool. It's, it's, it's kind of a take this job and shove it thing that Cliff Kingsbury is not relatable really to most of us in any way, but the fact that he got the company to pay for his vacation because they fired him and he had probably some incredible first class flight, 16 hours to Thailand and is it the 20 star resort right now with a billion out of 10 girlfriend. Uh, no, it is very awesome. Because there's this take that, you know, these coaches are like coaching his life and the second I win the championship the next morning, I'm either on the recruiting trail if I'm a college coach or I'm breaking film if I'm a pro coach. Bill Belichick screaming at people who took the day off to go to the victory parade, no days off. And they're like, ugh. Cliff was just like, screw it. I'm out of here. I don't really care. I'll figure out my next job. I'll figure out my next home. It's just an awesome thing that it's kind of a you go Cliff and say what the hell with it. Not only am I getting the hell out of here, I don't care about your job, you're gonna pay for me because you fired me and you were dumb enough to give me that contract and then fire me. So yeah, this shrimp right here, this pina colada, it's all on you. It's pretty cool. And then if you, <laughs> the curiosity gets you, I Googled this morning, I Googled Cliff Kingsbury girlfriend because Peter was saying on the air, again, so I can say it, that apparently Cliff has a significant other whose name is Veronica which just happens to be the same first name as Sean McVay's wife, Veronica. Uh, although McVay's ends with a K-A and Cliff's ends with a C-A. And if you Google Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury girlfriend, which I did today, it's just all these stories about Peter Schrager, New York Post, Peter Schrager, one-way ticket to Thailand. And it's just very funny when one of your friends gets wrapped up in something like that. And then of course you go to Cliff Kingsbury's girlfriend's Instagram and uh, she looks like a cool girl. What I like about the pictures is there's so much subtlety. <laughs> oh, that's pretty much exactly what I thought I was gonna find when I followed Cliff Kingsbury's girlfriend to the Instagram. Looks like a very nice lady. Uh, I think she's 29 years old and God bless her. So it's very funny. And who knows when the clip's coming back? I, I have no idea. Is he coming back? What if he just, you know how people say, yeah, I'm just gonna retire and I'm gonna go sell mangoes on a beach somewhere. What if he does do that? Who knows? That's, that's, that's what happens when you get fired after coaching Kyler Murray for three years. Just like, get me the hell out of here. I'm gonna go on some excursions and do some paddle boarding and just live on coconuts. Who knows? If anybody has seen Cliff Kingsbury or Veronica, please take a picture and send it to us. We'd like just a little proof of life. I was trying to get Schrager to get him to FaceTime us, but he said they're 12 hours ahead. Man, I need to go to Thailand and never come back. With my family, of course. That's what's hilarious. Cliff, love you. Maybe see you in five years when you come back and decide to be the head coach of the Texans or something. Let's get though to, what's next? Oh yeah, you want hilarious. Let's go to a very important takes on takes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I got numbers. I got four, I got six, I got Kingsbury's girlfriend. I mean, no, I, that was, I don't know how that happened. I hate it when that happens. Um, we have takes, of course. Here's the deal, you know how this works. We've done it all season. You have two combatants who have a take on something. We're gonna do them one after another, and then I'm gonna judge them based on delivery, creativity, and just a little bit of heat. I don't think that'll be a problem today because we go to the first take program on the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. They went on site this morning to Tampa, Florida for the Buccaneers-Cowboys game we played tonight. All right, here we go, guys. First up, Stephen A, just get him in here. You hear the, the, the glass break and you know Stephen A is walking in. He is 10 times now in <laughs> takes on takes. He only a four and six record. He averages a seven. Stephen A Smith started the show. Oh man, see, I, once again, I've not seen these. I've been busy all day. I've not seen first take. But Michael Irvin's waiting in the dressing room to try to go second. Here's Stephen A starting the program with a message for fans of the Dallas Cowboys. Go ahead. The great Lord. You know what? You know what? I tried to tell y'all months ago, just like I told you last year, no matter what the regular season looked like, you wouldn't win a playoff game. Last year, around this time, I looked into this camera. I looked into America and throughout the world, and I said the Dallas Cowboys would not even win a playoff game after a 12-5 season, and it happened. And we got guys that were crying in the stands, like that man over there, right over there. There he is. There he is right over there, okay? And he was crying like a little baby. But it, what happened? And he come back. They came back to 2022, and they went 12-5 and five again. And they said, guess what? We them boys. We going to do it, right? But guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? I told you. Tom Brady would have something to say about it. Okay. And that is tonight. And tonight, y'all go down okay. again. <laughs> As always, the MVP is Molly Karam. Molly, I don't know how you do what you do as well as you do, but just the exercise and patience daily and breathing. Maybe you meditate, maybe you do yoga or something, whatever it is, it works. See, I look at Stephen A like this right here. You know, there's, look at pro wrestlers and they, they work all these house shows and they go around the country and they do the show and they have event here and event here and event here. And then, at, you know, once a year there's WrestleMania and they show up differently for WrestleMania than they would some show that they do in Boise, Idaho and collect a check and go on to the next one. This is Stephen A's WrestleMania. It really is. And what's brilliant about Stephen A is it's not about today's show. It's setting up for Tuesday's first take. And no matter what happens, you tune in. If the Cowboys go down in flames, you want to see him laugh about it. If the Cowboys win 31 to 17, you want to see him have to react to it. So that's the brilliant. All right, so as far as the take itself, I like the Stephen A on location volume. Because he gets in that comfy studio sometimes in that nice suit and he, you know, he does his thing, but it's a little more comfortable and it, you're not getting that 
that, that absolute kinetic volume all the time. He chooses the spot. So he chose this spot. So I like the volume um, in terms of delivery, very good. Heat, not really a factor here. The heat is more in the fact that he looks like he is wearing a Halloween costume. <laughs> I like that he's dressed up with the jersey like over his regular clothes and the baseball cap. And then um, the creativity, listen, they're not going for creativity. They're, 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 they're giving what the people what they want. You don't go for creativity when you when you throw kelp to the seal and it just eats it. The seal just wants kelp. And that's what they're serving up. So uh, I like the look. I like the volume. It's it's still the pregame. Tomorrow, I've said this for a while. Tomorrow's the day that you want to tune in. This was the opening band at Coachella in the little font. I'm gonna give this a six. I was I was amused watching it. I was interested in what he had to say, but it's really like you're setting up tomorrow. It's it's not this is the it's not the main event yet. I'm gonna give it a six. Let's go to the other side of the table. Whilst seated next to Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend Derek Brooks, Michael Irvin, who I'm not sure if you're aware of this, used to play for the Cowboys. He is asked, which team tonight, Cowboys or Buccaneers, has the edge at quarterback? Got to be the six. I'm not trying to be fair. I'm being just here. Just is giving people what they deserve. Fair is giving everybody the same thing. I am just here. And just says that Tom Brady is right now, right now. We're not talking about what we've accomplished over a career. I'm talking about right now. Nobody in this building will take Tom Brady over Dak Prescott. Yo, oh, 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 you have lost your mind. 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 Wait, 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 let's stop, let's stop, let's stop, let's stop. I love Tom, I do, I love him more than anything, but Tom Brady has had his worst career year of his career this year. Everybody must concur with this. Must we concur with that, Mike? Great stuff. Just, this is why you got to watch the basement. Amazing visuals there. Over his shoulder is a giant Stephen A. Smith head cutout, just just sitting there looking at him, kind of an Orwellian fashion. There's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers mascot that I'm not familiar with that has a sideways hat and looks like some sort of chain or something. What mascot is that? Mike puts on this weird hat that they, some producer on the show got that is, it's cowboy hats, sort of, but it's like also royal blue. I guess they were going for cowboys blue. It just... And he puts it on, he starts screaming, he gets up from the desk. He says you would definitely take Dak over Brady. And it's always a wash with this, I love Brady, I love Brady, I love Brady. But, it's feel like no one feels like they can go after Tom Brady. And the heat of it was that you would take Dak over Brady. I think Dak threw three interceptions while Michael Irvin was doing that take. <laughs> so, um, it was, I, I, listen, it's one of these things where... I'm sitting here, I think the word is bemused while I'm watching this. It's great theater. It's, you, this sitcom character, pro wrestler, does his thing. This sitcom character comes right in and busts them back. It's very well orchestrated, well delivered. And uh, this is just simple. Um, this is a seven. Michael Irving gets the win. He used the props better. He got up from the table. He had the hot heat uh, that we were talking about, about D Dak. You have to choose him more than Brady. 
Stephen A's just setting it up. Like I said a thousand times, setting it up for tomorrow. Michael Irvin, I think, maybe knows that tomorrow is going to be a tough show for him. <laughs> is he even on tomorrow? I don't know how that works. But um, he, I think he knows that tomorrow is going to be a tough show for him. So he's like, I might as well empty the bag now uh, on the pre-show before the action and just maybe have to know that I'm going to have to take some lumps tomorrow. But either way, maybe the Cowboys win tonight. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. So that is Michael Irvin, your winner, who goes to 9-2. and two. Nine and two in his career. What an incredible win percentage. That's like what when his record on one of those Cowboys teams. Nine and two. Stephen A. Smith falls to four and seven and still claims he has never lost the debate. Stephen A., I could probably debate that. Takes on takes. That's it. It's always great. And so is Brant Awareness starring super producer Michael Flynn. Let's go. There he is. He makes us aware of headlines that maybe I didn't see or maybe we just didn't get to. Uh, Flynn, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. How's it work? Does does Because um, Michael Irvin has a weird thing where he's an NFL Network employee, but whatever his deal is, and he appears on ESPN. Does he only appear Mondays or will we be on tomorrow to face the music if the Cowboys lose? I'm honestly not sure. I would think that you would want yeah. him to be on tomorrow. I also don't know if the show is remote tomorrow as well. If the show's remote mm. and they're staying through the game, you might as well have him on tomorrow. So I'm not sure. We'll find out. Let's see. They got us. We can't wait to find out if Michael Irvin's going to be there. That's the, you know, that, that show is polarizing. It's very popular. Some people like it. It's not for everybody. But they are very well conceived and very well produced. That's what I would say the same about Cobra and Spaceman, and that's uh, where you come in, Flynn. What should we talk about in this part of the show? That's very kind of you. Let's stay with that game. It is no longer the weekend, but there is one super wild card weekend game left. The Cowboys visiting the Bucks tonight. Winner travels to San Francisco next Sunday. Manning cast on ESPN2 with what I'm sure are some great guests. So, Kyle, what are you expecting mm. from the actual game? I mean... I look at it this way. It's Everything seems to be pointing towards Dallas losing, and I don't know why. I think it's... Well, I do know why. Because um, it's fun when they lose, just like in this, in the same sense when there's a lot of people who are anti-Aaron Rodgers. They, it's fun when he loses in the playoffs every year. It's an event. It's something to talk about. It's very different when the Cowboys lose than when the Vikings lose or whoever else lost. You know, it's, there's just certain groups now where... The Chargers losing kind of feels familiar. It's a friend of ours. Aaron Rodgers losing feels familiar. And then the Cowboys losing thing, it's like, ha-ha, we can all have a laugh about the Cowboys. I think it's really interesting if the Cowboys win this game. And in so many ways, they should. In a vacuum, they should. Tampa has never been good, let alone consistently good. They're this middling Buccaneers team that's never figured it out a head coach that's never gotten the best out of them week in, week out. And yet we're kind of, most of us, I'll speak for myself, just kind of expecting the Buccaneers to win. And not because they're great, but because we're expecting the Cowboys to mess it up. So I think the most interesting thing that could happen in this game is that the Cowboys win by 12 points. And it's just, it's not a blowout, but it's not terribly nerve wracking. And they just win and they're like, yeah, what were you guys talking about? We have a better team. We have all year and we beat, we beat the Bucks because We've talked about this too, is I love the stakes of this game because whatever happens, there's really no scenario that's not fascinating. Whoever loses the game, the Bucks, you just lost, Brady just lost at home to finish sub 500 for the season. Is he gonna retire now? More likely, is he gonna leave the Buccaneers now? That's obvious. 
the Cowboys lose, it's like, God, you guys lost again? Is Mike McCarthy gone? What is Dak Prescott's deal? Can we count on him to do anything other than be a pretty good regular season quarterback? Can we count on him to be anything other than the 13th best quarterback in the league? He makes so much money, he's not going anywhere. What can Jerry possibly say? Oh man, never mind Michael Irvin and Stephen A. Smith. Let me say, let's say the Buccaneers win. Let me say a respectable score. Let's say it's low scoring. Let's say for whatever reason it's 20 to 16 and the Bucks win and the Cowboys go home. What does Jerry say? What could he possibly say? Because everyone's going to say, Mike McCarthy, get him out of here. Dak Prescott doesn't have it. And Jerry's like, I'm invested in Dak. And I pretty much said I don't want to move on from Mike McCarthy. It's just going to be everywhere. It's going to be giant, sloppy mess. But also if they win, it's, it's a mess with the box. It's just great. Flynn, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you think is going to win this game? Just give me a straight up prediction. I'm going with the popular pick and going Bucks. Let's call it 23-20. I believe in postseason Brady. I don't think he's ending his season like this. And I and I think the the late season resurgence of Mike Evans with Brady. Mm. Uh, I think that puts them over the edge. Also worth noting, uh, Ryan Jensen activated for the Buccaneers first time. Also potentially back tonight. Let's move on. Uh, the Bengals won last night, and Zach Taylor continued a tradition he started last year, dropping off a game ball at a local bar to celebrate the fans. Kyle, what do you make of Taylor's tradition? It's awesome. It's smart. They like him for it. It's a man of the people. This bar he's at right here, I read that it's like right across the street from the facility. So it's kind of like their cheers. It's awesome. Listen, Zach Taylor is just this guy who became the Bengals head coach and it didn't win the press conference. It wasn't cool. It wasn't this rock star that they hired. He's just this kind of generic looking white guy who looks sort of like a golf pro, sort of like a character in the game. Guess who? Just a guy. And he's cool. Look at him. He looks like a rock star up there. He's in the DJ booth. People have their phones out. And Cincinnati is one of these towns where it's, an, it's a non-NBA town. And it's not a hockey town. And it's like they have the Bengals and they have the Reds. And they have the Bengals. And it's like there's, a, there's such an electricity. When you, have, um, when you have a rock star quarterback, which they do, and you have a coach who gets it, God, the quality of life in a town is so good. So good. Look around and pick out the cities who maybe don't have everything, like LA or New York, where they have a rock star quarterback and a coach who gets it. It's very similar to Buffalo, very similar. And that's why this game is so intriguing is the teams are so alike, but there's only a handful of teams out there where it's like, okay, we're a great, beautiful, proud town and we really prioritize our football. And that's what's interesting is because Baltimore is the same thing. They thought slash think they have a rock star quarterback. They have a coach who I think gets it. Um, but I just look at more specifically Cincinnati. You walk in a bar and you are, um, you know, like uh, anybody could have gone to Brian Dable could have gone to like a New York bar. And that's cool. But like the New Yorkers are like, ah, Dable, we love you. But it's New York City. We've got other things going on. You walk into Cincinnati after a Bengals playoff win. And they want to carry you outside and parade you around the parking lot. It's really, really cool. And I'm happy for Zach Taylor because he's the guy who says the right thing, who gets the team to play. And it's awesome. L listen, that Bengals-Bills game, I defy anybody to pick it right now. If you want to have a tie break, you could say, well, the Bills are at home. I'll go with them. Sure. But that game's going to be tough. Really tough to pick. Because I feel like it's a lot of dueling Spider-Men. It's, it's, it's kind of the same team. 
a lot of the same things they each do well, the other team does. And one of them's won eight in a row, one of them's won nine in a row. Pick that game. It's really tough. I don't know if, if Taylor's going to be in a bar after this one, but I love that he does this. It's very, it makes me want to go to a bar also. That's kind of cool, right, Flynn? It's very cool. The name of that bar, The Blind Pig. And actually, last year when he started the tradition, uh, it made a little bit of news. He went to the Mount Lookout Tavern and made this similar speech that you just saw in the video there. And instead of handing it off to the owner, he tossed it into the crowd. And that created all sorts of drama because a guy caught it, thought he could take it home, did take it home. And the bar thought they were out of luck. And then the guy saw all the pressure on social media and decided, oh, I better return this to the bar, which I would hope he's now drinking at for free for the rest of his life. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, finally, Brendan Fraser, career resurgence continued last night. He won Best Actor at the Critics' Choice Awards for his performance in The Whale. Kyle, you a fan? How could you not be? Hey, listen, at some point, if you're at a certain age, Fraser hit your radar. Let's talk about the, the Fraser greatest hits, okay? First thing my radar, and there's a movie called Encino Man in which he is an unfrozen caveman who <laughs> lives in, in the valley and wants to party with Sean Astin, the guy who plays Rudy and Pauly Shore. Ridiculous movie, but just pure sugar, just fun. Massive deal, School Ties. If you haven't seen School Ties, you gotta watch it just because of the cast. It's young Matt Damon, it's young Ben Affleck, it's young Cole Hauser, and listen, Fraser's the lead. It's a prep school movie, which is always fun, and it's a football movie, Fraser, great. And then you do those mummy movies, which I was kind of not sort of into, and then other things. He was just one of these guys who was a leading man for a long time. If you like silly movies, they did with Sandler, like Airheads. But he was cool. He made movies that were fun to watch. And then he kind of, I don't want to say he went away. He just, his, his career shifted. And then it got pretty heavy, and I read the piece in him where he was kind of, I don't want to say in seclusion, but he was a little bit of a recluse, and he was talking about maybe he had encountered some abuse in the industry and just kind of went dark and you're like, ah, oh, Fraser, you were so fun, man. I was really rooting for you. You seemed like a cool guy. Bedazzled, another crazy movie that he's in with Elizabeth Hurley. Just, you look at what Fraser did. It was always like just fun movies that were enjoyable to watch and entertaining and weren't trying too hard to be too serious. It was great. So the fact that now he's back and he looks a little different, but he's certainly really emotional. I'm happy for it. It's like you, you throw around that cliche about Hollywood loves a comeback. God, Hollywood loves a comeback. <laughs> they love it. It's awesome. And so when you see Fraser up there in 2023 winning awards and he's probably going to win the Oscar and just crying, it's like, hell yes, Brendan Fraser. I grew up with you. I was raised on you. I sat there, you know, trying to get the first base with my freshman high school girlfriend while Encino Man was on. I love that you're up there crying. I'm crying with you. So yes, that is a resounding yes, Lynn. I'm a Fraser guy. That That's great. I... My history with Brendan Fraser, I know The Mummy, I know the first Mummy, I didn't see any of the mm -hmm. sequels, and then he guest starred, he did a few episodes on Scrubs, which was a show from mm -hmm. the early to mid-2000s yeah, sure. that I loved, uh, and ended up getting cancer, dying, spoiler alert, uh, but was great, and funny, but also emotional, and was a great actor then, and just seems like a good guy. Have you ever seen that picture, he visited a steakhouse, and they did what steakhouses, pizza places, ask their celebrities who visit to do, where they sign a picture, and he signed it and said, the steak was great, I was in the mummy, Brendan Fraser. Seems like he has a good sense of humor about it all, too. Yeah, that's an amazing way to sign an autograph. I don't know if he was like loaded when he did that or if that's just his dry sense of humor, but very funny. I have seen that. Um, 
I have not seen the Scrubs thing. I have a Scrubs story for another time. But you know what I'm thinking of right now? I, I think, Flynn, what's the outlook? We can just tell the people right now. Are we having Josh Allen on the show tomorrow on Tuesday? What's it look like? We, we, we are planning, I'll never say 100% because the Bills yeah. season has been actually absolutely crazy, but the plan is to have Josh Allen yeah. tomorrow, yes. I gotta watch that movie Semi-Pro tonight. I still haven't watched that. <laughs> I told Josh last week I would watch the Jackie Moon Will Ferrell basketball movie. I don't have time to watch that. I, I'm gonna have to find it. Well, that movie's probably close to two hours long and I have to watch that bleeping movie tonight. So anyway, we should probably finish this up. What else? Do we have a social call out? I bet we do. We, we, we did. I thought you were going to get there. We asked the good get people who follow at KB Basement uh, who they would like to see have a Brendan Fraser type career resurgence. And Let's I'll let it. you take it from here. We'll throw up that two box. All right. So this is someone who you loved and you would love for him to come back and win awards and be in a massive movie. Matt Perkins says Rick Moranis. This is the headliner for me. Rick Moranis, um, Ghostbusters, Spaceballs. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise and then other all amazing stuff like Little Shop of Horrors just walked away from the game. And if you look into it, there's it's been written and it's been documented that he left on his own accord. This is not someone who couldn't get a job or ran into problems. No, he he left public life. His wife passed away and apparently he said, I want to raise my kids and that's just not the life for me. And I know that when they were making that last Ghostbusters movie, the one that Paul Rudd is in, you know, they had Aykroyd back and they had Murray back and then Harold Ramis had passed away. But I know that they wanted to get Rick Moranis back. And even still, he just said, you know, no, thank you. I'm not in it. And it's crazy that he has that conviction. It's a heartbreaking story. But man, if he came out and all of a sudden was in a movie, even in a small role or even in showed up in one of these prestige TV shows, like people would go nuts. There's a massive group of people. I'm, I'm, I consider myself among them who grew up Moranis, and we'd love to see him, but he's got his reasons, and they're obviously very significant. Next, who else should have a major career explosion? All right, so this is interesting. I'm looking at a gif of a, you know, a high school boy in a sweater vest and a red Porsche just waving. This is classic 80s stuff. He's waving at Molly Ringwald. This is the uh, penultimate scene in the movie 16 Candles, John Hughes. That is actor Michael Scheffling who is my older sister's number one all-time crush. Shefflin showed up in the 80s. He looked like a young Tom Cruise meets Matt Dillon, just this unbelievably cute, handsome, hot boy, and he seemed to be able to act. Showed up in a few other movies. He was in Vision Quest and a few other things, and then just gone. Walked away. Um, gave up acting. I guess he, he said, <laughs> says he has produced handcrafted furniture as the owner of a woodworking shop. What? So this guy went from picking up Molly Ringwald in the 80s to making rocking chairs? God bless him. Shefflin, I'm probably saying your name wrong. This is one of the great what happened to them, especially for, I'm gonna say, women who are right now in their 40s and early 50s who fell in love with him in the 80s. They're like, where is he? That's Jake from 16 Candles. He's the hottest guy ever, gone. He's making a, like a little credenza out of a handmade. Good stuff I hear. Next, who else should have a major explosion? Blazing KC says John Lovitz. Look, I love Lovitz. Awesome guy. Um, hasn't done much. He had some takes on cancel culture a couple years ago. <laughs> said it makes it hard for comedians to do their job. If you don't know Lovitz, his early 90s SNL guy, been in a million movies, million shows. Funny guy. Um, I love him in The Wedding Singer, but that's just a drop in the bucket for Lovitz. Lovitz, the Lovisants. I don't know if that's happening or not. Shooter McGavin, uh, the internet personality, tweets the show sometimes. 
Okay, see, now all the hits are coming up. He says, he has a gif of Emilio Estevez. He says we need him back. All right, so Estevez I've tracked for a while. If you don't know who Emilio Estevez is, he's Gordon Bombay in the Mighty Duck series. He's in The Breakfast Club. He's in a thousand things. He used to be married to Paul Abdul. He's Charlie Sheen's brother. He's Martin Sheen's son. If you don't know who he is, you're probably really young. Um, what's what's old, what's old uh, Emilio been up to? He reprised his role as the Mighty Ducks coach in the 2021 Disney Plus series. So he's Bombay. Announced he won't return for a second season of it, though, due to a contract dispute and creative differences. Oh, Estevez, you won't play Bombay because you don't like where the character is headed? Maybe the contract dispute. Maybe he wants a ton of money or something. Who knows? But I feel like Estevez is one of these people, again, who a lot of us have logged many hours of their lives watching him on their TVs. Certainly the Young Guns movie I used to watch all the time. He's in Mission Impossible 1, briefly gets crushed by an elevator. Uh, I'd love to see him back. You root for him. He's got his little blue tank top with the Nike swoosh and the gold chain at Breakfast Club. Gets high and screams when the glass breaks. It's weird, but I'd love to see that. Next, Eric Circa San Diego. Oh, he says, let's see Sinbad in a dramatic role when he's seeing the comedian Sinbad. Sinbad has very significant health problems. Um, he's still, he's recovering from a stroke that he suffered two, over, over two years ago. Sinbad's awesome. Listen, if you don't know him, he would show up in these comedy specials and he'd wear these crazy loud shirts and he was a big dude and he had this great way about him, very charismatic. Then he started landing in movies and a lot of us remember him from a football movie called Necessary Roughness that stars uh, Scott Bakula and uh, Jason Bateman's in it. But Sinbad was, was Andre and one of the defensive players in it and he's awesome. He's been in a million things. But then if you look online, he's had a real serious health setback. And I don't know, I just, I hate to see that. I hope he does great. But he's one of those guys I grew up with too. Two more. Um, who should have a mask? <laughs> Come on. Danny says, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone is, it looks like Sylvester Stallone's stand-in. And it's because it's Sylvester Stallone's brother. There was a documentary called Stallone. Frank, that is. Hell of a title. It's about the life, career, and survival of Frank Stallone. It was released in 2021. Frank Stallone was always kind of in, involved in some ways to Sly's movies. I believe he was in, involved in the music from the movies sometimes. But when you look at it, it's kind of like um, Ozzy Canseco. <laughs> Do you know who that is? He was Jose's brother. Um, you know how there's like a third property brother that no one knows? <laughs> That's the second Stallone brother. There is a third property brother. It's crazy to look at him, but that's Frank Stallone. Sure, why not? I heard Sly's got a cool new series now. I haven't watched it, but Frank, why not? Uh, one more. Who does this have? This next. Oh, <laughs> Keith Page says this guy and includes a picture of myself uh, in the days of our lives phase. I'm getting married. I'm in the full Marine dress blues. My character was a Marine and I'm getting married. I'm Philip. Getting married to Belle, who is played by Martha Madison, uh, a very good actress and a nice person. And we got married in a church. And you see the stained glass window behind us in that church? Shortly after the ceremony, Sean, who felt that he should be married to Belle, crashes through the stained glass on a motorcycle <laughs> in the middle of the ceremony and gets people hurt. And then Belle has to go to the hospital and I try to fight him. That was my life. That was how I paid my rent back in the day. Um, so, yes, I, I don't think I'll be having a massive career in acting resurgence. 
I was an okay actor. I was a terrible auditioner. And I think I'm, supposed to, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing now. But that picture is really something. Um, also, uh, at one point, I was... Um, I've told the story before about auditions and acting and everything. I auditioned to be part of the Manning cast with Peyton and Eli. I've told the story. And that's really what led to me being here under Omaha Productions. Manning cast me on tonight. Cowboys Buccaneers. Flynn, get back in here and tell us some info about tonight's Manning cast so we can all watch. So I kind of hinted at it before, but I'm glad yeah. that the tweet just came out so I can tell you and see your reaction. Your Manning right. cast guest tonight, uh, Teddy Bruschi, Deion Sanders, and your guy, Dan Campbell. Oh, okay. You know, I honestly thought you were going to say Teddy Bruschi, Deion Sanders, and your guy, Brendan Fraser. I thought it was going to be Fraser because <laughs> I'm sure the Mannings would appreciate <laughs> Fraser. No, that's awesome, though. Um, so, Brewski, obviously, talk Patriots. Dion. It's interesting they don't have somebody representing the Buccaneers. Dion will be great. And, you know, obviously, Dion's going to do his thing. And Dion played against those guys. And, and then Dan Campbell. That's awesome. All right, cool. I'm in on that. I, it, I like Dan Campbell in Zoom interviews because his face is so loud. He's one of these people who close talks in the Zoom, too. Like, he's all up in your grill. And his voice is even deeper when it comes through the speakers. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you into that too, Flynn? I, I absolutely am. He's must-watch TV. Also want to see if his nose uh, has recovered from his green yeah. base stint when it was looking very, very red. Maybe that's something they'll bring up because prior to that, the reddest nose in NFL history has been Tom Coughlin's, who was coaching mm -hmm. Eli and Lambeau. So look, you're already producing the Manning cast. Whoever actually does it, listen to Flynn and uh, take that video and do the Campbell, Tom Coughlin, red nose side by side. Uh, Flynn. It's been a pleasure. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll do it again tomorrow, hopefully with Josh Allen. Hopefully with Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills advancing to the divisional round. Uh, guys, let's go to Skycam because I'm going to take a walk. Thank you, Flynn. I'm going to throw a dart. I got a feeling today is going to be the day that I throw the bullseye and there is no topic. If I don't, whatever number it is, I have to go to the corresponding topic and give you a little ditty on that. One, two, three. I mean, it is getting closer. We're about, I don't know, an inch and a half shy, kind of like a motor single terror in that last run to move the chains. But guess what that topic is? That is topic number number one. Number one. Sound like Mike Francesa. What's the number one topic that I can end the show on today? Recites. Oh come on. Hey man. <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question. And nobody really knows any lines after that. Um, trying to think of any. I, I'm an English major, and I'm trying to think of any other Shakespeare that I know. Um, best of times, worst of times is not Shakespeare. What do I know? Um, hey, where for art thou, Romeo, man? This <laughs> is like the worst Cliff's Notes intro to Shakespeare BS 101. I'm trying to think of something that Tybalt or Mercutio says, um, and it's just escaping me right now. I wonder how much Shakespeare Dan Campbell could quote. Um, I don't have it. But I will be watching the Manning cast tonight. Um, and I, I can't wait. Cowboys Bucks tonight. Whatever happens tomorrow, fantastic. This has been a great show with you guys. We learned, we laughed, we loved, we cried. And now it's time to go. Thank you. Love you. Exit right over there. Through the garage, please. And will you do me a favor? Close the garage on your way out. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.